Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. And we realize there's a hole here and there's a void there and there's a problem there. And that's where we need that greater grace flowing in and through our lives. And then we can claim this promise. God speaks. He makes prophecies and predictions. Every single one of them always comes true. A promise. That means he's commander in chief of your life and my life. The truth is God always fulfills his promises. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young begins his message, The Promises, and shares how you can be confident that God will do what he says he will, even if his methods surprise you. Stick around. Dr. Young is coming right up. Now, here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, The Promises. As we go into the new year, a lot of us will go to the supermarket, and as we go out, they have all those little newspapers there to the inquire, et cetera, et cetera. And inevitably, they'll have some futurists, some prophets, some pronosticators, some who would predict what's going to happen in 2018. And a lot of times there are people involved. The president of Russia, the president of the United States, international situations, predictions about the stock market, predictions about the weather, all kind of predictions we find there as we go into the new year. Now, the bottom line is, most of us who've been around for a while look at these predictions with great skepticism, right? We've been here before. We've heard these prognosticators say, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And, you know, we don't put a lot of stock in it, do we? We just don't. But... I remember a few years back, a prominent pastor in our city made 10 predictions for the new year. The end of that year, seven of them came true. And he stood up and said, I told you that God was speaking through me. The only problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, when God speaks, he makes prophecies and predictions. Every single one of them always comes true. So we have a lot of soothsayers, a lot of would-be gurus who gives us words of promise. Now let me explain to you that every promise in the Bible, you and I cannot claim. I've seen people who go in and pick out a promise that was given for a specific time and place by a prophet, and they say, I want to claim that promise. No, that's illegitimate understanding of biblical exegesis. But there are a lot of promises there that are for you and for me that we can claim. For example, day before yesterday, 
I was looking at this particular Bible and I happened to turn to the back and I saw something I'd never seen before. It was a whole page set aside with promises that are made in only the New Testament. Promises for believers. And I looked at those promises and I made a little precursory counting of the promises and there were over 70. And I saw that were available for me and they were available for you. So we look at the Bible and we see some of the outrageous promises that you can study. Go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. The infamous sin they committed, they were booted out of the garden, right? Kicked out. Man, protection put there so they could not get back in or anybody else. But as they were booted out, there was a word saying, there will a day come when God will send a man that will provide a way for the garden for you to get back in the garden. Adam and Eve must have thought, my goodness, after what we've done, that's, that's an outrageous promise. And then what about Moses? Moses there, a fugitive from justice in the backside of nowhere, He spent his first 40 years, remember being somebody, brought up as the son of Pharaoh. Next 40 years, because he murdered an Egyptian, he was a nobody, hidden the backside of the world. Now God speaks to him through a burning bush. And he's amazed that this bush is burning and it was not consumed. And a lot of people said, oh, that must be some special kind of bush. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, when God's in a bush, any old bush will do. (laughs) And Moses was instructed from the voice of God from that fire in that bush that you're going to be the one that will deliver my people out of slavery. Almost two million of them. And Moses said, I, 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 I am not, not, not the one able, able to do, do, do that. It would have to be my, my handsome, b- b- articulate brother Aaron. I, 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 I can't do it. I'm... But what happened? God gave that promise to Moses and he delivered his people out of slavery. He was the leader, he selected. What a crazy promise. Moses, totally illogical. Now, if you want to get wilder yet, look at David. David was a nobody in his own family. He was certainly not prominent in the land. He was not prominent in his tribe. He was not prominent in his family. He was a little runt out there they put out of the household. He didn't grow up to be big and strong like all of his older brothers. And he was a tender of sheep, the lowest occupation of that day a tender of sheep. And Samuel went over there and said, none of these big, handsome, strong guys are going to be the ones God's going to use and anoint as king. Do you have another son? Yeah, I got this little old guy. And he goes out and places his hands on David. David, you're going to be the man. A promise. David must have thought, my goodness, who is Samuel? He must be failing in his old age as a prophet. But that was a promise made to David. And you get wilder yet, read the book of Isaiah. 
all those promises about the nature and character of the Messiah, he'd be a suffering servant. He would be striped. He would pay the price. He would die. And he would be the one who would be the one who, who would save the whole world, fulfill all the promises there. Man, Isaiah must have lost it too. Now, you want to get really wild at biblical promises. Take Mary, a little virgin, innocent teenage girl there in Bethlehem, and she's claimed, she's engaged, she's an espoused wife of a man, and the angel comes and said, Mary, you're pregnant. No, I've never been with a man, I'm engaged. And the angel said, you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit because you're going to be the mother of the one who will redeem the world. Through you will come Emmanuel, God with us. What would a little innocent, pure girl like Mary think? What a promise is that? What kind of absurdity is that? And on top of that, what about Joseph? He discovers perhaps, you know, his little teenage bride-to-be is, you know, she's maybe, I can't believe it, but an angel comes and tells Joe, ah, your bride-to-be is a virgin. She is pure, but she will bring about him who will redeem and change the world. What kind of promises are these? But we go and look them up, and these are just a few. You can check them off. Adam and Eve, bang, check it off. Restoration. You move it up. Moses, did he? Absolutely. He brought the people out. Check off that promise. And you go all the way through David. I mean, that's crazy. Did David build a great nation that was to be the redemptive element of the world? Absolutely. What a crazy promise. Isaiah, all of his words of prophecy, great detail, fulfilled perfectly and completely in Jesus Christ. Promises kept. And Mary and Joseph, you know the rest of the story. And then Jesus, what kind of wild promises did he make? He said, I, I will be crucified. I will be raised from the dead in three days. And they said, get this phony would-be Messiah prophet out of the way. And they took him and crucified him, fulfilling the first promise that he made. And God raised him from the dead and he rules on high. Promises kept. And you can go through this Bible, ladies and gentlemen, with any skeptic who is honest and understands a little bit about logic and debate and check off promise after promise after promise after promise. You can say fulfilled, completed, kept without exception. But there's some promises here that have not been claimed. Promises yet to be. The fact that all the promises have measured to be absolutely true would lead anybody who wants to think honestly and logically the promises that have not yet been fulfilled or kept, you can book them as well. They will come into reality, right? Logical. This Christmas, there's only one promise 
that I want us to receive. Out of all the promises that are still available, there's just one that I want us to claim. It's found in the book of James. Someone called the book of James and it should have been named in your face. Somebody says, there's a lot of the Bible. I just can't understand. I tried. Read the book of James. If you are past the third grade, you'll get it. It's in your face. It's clear. It's plain. It's authoritative. It's accurate. It's clear. And that one promise there has your name on it and has my name on it. You're going through the grocery line and you see all these prophets and you see all these headlines. In 2018, Putin will. In 2018, the stock market will. And if you see all these other names, you don't pay any attention to that. But what if it had your name on it? Oh, what if it had your name on that? Well, you know, I might plunk down, you know, a couple of bucks to buy it, wouldn't you? By the way, what, what does one cost? I don't know what those things cost. Anybody know? Huh? Lee Maxey knows. <laughs> but, but, you know, you would buy it if it had your name on it. This promise has your name and my name on it, ladies and gentlemen. James chapter 4, verse 8. In the context of that verse, it's really important. James is saying what's happened to us We've all become adulteresses. Boy, all of us guilty of adultery. He said, yes. He said, when you fall in love with the world and the world's order and the world's agenda, independent of God's agenda, that when we've received the gift of Jesus Christ, suddenly we belong to God and we know that Jesus Christ is the bridegroom and we are married to him. That's the metaphor that is used there. And when we go out into the world, all of a sudden, though we've received the grace, the charis of God and forgiveness and salvation, we have moved out into another agenda. The world has swallowed us up. Therefore, we're guilty of adultery in our relationship that we claim that Jesus is our savior. That's one thing, but also he is our Lord. That means he's commander in chief of your life and my life. So we're called, we know it, to be in the world, that's being alive, but not being of the world. It hadn't swallowed us up. And James gives us a great little verse there prior to the verse that I want us to claim. He says that, implication, we've received the grace of God in Christ, undeserved. And then he said, but there is a greater grace. I love that. There is a greater grace that we receive. And that is the grace that we're on the wrong track, doing our own thing, living our own life. There is a grace that comes in us, that flows through us, that empowers us. And the Bible said it's like bread and it's like water. We eat bread, it nourishes us. It's like water that it cleanses us. And this greatest grace comes and puts us back on the agenda of God exactly where we need to be. And then we come to our verse of promise. Great verse. 
The only one we'll need this Christmas. You say, well, how do you know we'll need it? You see, Christmas has a way of uh, slowing us down a little bit after all the foo-foo is over. (laughs) It, It has a way of calling us to family and friends and remembrances. Calls us back, wakes us up. And we realize there's a hole here and there's a void there and there's a problem there. And that's where we need that greater grace flowing in and through our lives. And then we can claim this promise. Christmas builds in us a desire, I think, like no other time of the year to claim the promise that I want us to claim this Christmas. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That's it. That's the promise. Christmas with great sentimentality and remembrances and all the rest, that's a beautiful time to draw near to God. He'll draw near to you every single time. And then this verse tells us how do we draw near to God? Well, I would like to draw near to God. I'd like to know God. I'd like some assurance. And he says, you have to have, oh, this is the trick. Clean hands, look out, and a pure heart. And then he says, you won't have, you won't be literally, he's saying in the scripture, spiritually as schizophrenic. You won't have a double agenda. You won't be totally engulfed in the world and, oh, I have a little bit of God they will mesh and you will be whole because in all that you do and all your activities in this world, there'll be a sense of God, a sense of Christ, a sense of purpose because you have drawn near to God. He will draw near to you. The qualification is clean hands and pure hearts. I want you to do something for me. If everyone would simply put your hands in your lap and look at your hands, would we, would we all do that together? It's an easy exercise. <laughs> and I'm going to pray a prayer that I need to pray, all of us need to pray. Father, cleanse my hands, wash my hands. You have washed me in the saving blood of Christ. I don't understand all of that, but I know that, I accept that. Now clean my hands. Anything external in my life, that does not give honor and glory, that does not please you. Lord, clean my hands, cleanse my hands right now, right now. And now if you take those hands that he has cleansed and just put them over your heart, would you do that? Both hands over your heart, would everyone do that? And now let us pray, Lord, purify my heart, my motives, why I do this, why I act like this. Inside of me, make me clean in my mind, in my heart, in my will. Purify my heart. And now look up here. If you prayed that with me, would you hold your hands up to heaven and say, Lord, here are my clean hands. You did it. And Lord, here's my pure heart. You did it. Lord, I desire to draw near to you 
and claim this promise that you'll draw near to me this Christmas. This Christmas, I receive this gift. Let me be practical, more practical on top of a little bit of biblical theology. By the end of 2018, there'll be over 260 billion gift cards given. 260 billion. Now all of us have received and given gift cards, I would think, almost all of us. Now, the interesting thing out of those billions of gift cards through 2018, 43% will never be used. So there's about, forgive my rough math, you know, 173 million gift cards out there it's been paid for, they've been bought, they've been given, but we haven't received them and used them and spent them and employed them. The giver had a purpose to give them to us, but we just lost them or gotten careless or said someday, somehow, some way. My brothers and my sisters, member of the family of God, we've done that almost with that perfect unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ at Christmas. Oh, we, we've invited him in, but we haven't maintained those clean hands and those pure hearts. Oh, let us covenant together this Christmas to do exactly that. And we will draw near to God. If you have clean hands, pure hearts, God comes near. And as we have clean hands and pure hearts, he will come near to us and we'll be near to him. And you'll have a Christmas. You'll have a Christmas that you've never experienced before. Father, what a gift. Divinity putting on human flesh. Lord, you walk down the steps of heaven with a baby in your arms. And Lord, you've walked right in the lives of so many of us here. May we now walk with you as never before. Lord, we claim this promise. We draw near to you knowing then you'll draw near to us and cleanse our hands, the external part of us, and purify our hearts the internal part of us as we let the gift of Christ rule and reign in every part of our being. Thank you for this promise that we claim. We pray in the name of your son. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.